You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> a weird, lonely man with weird hair, a weirder sense of humor, and an imaginary girlfriend gets sick of the ridicule and becomes the hero of poor people everywhere and the mastermind of a huge criminal enterprise. <laughs> but enough about Donald Trump. Let's talk about Joker. That was my standard film buzzed introduction. If anyone listened to this, ever listened to my film buzzed reviews. That was pretty good. On the Laugh Factor YouTube. Every introduction was the exact same thing. You just say something as a misdirect. And you could just do that forever. Every every movie, like mm. I think for Leonardo DiCaprio, we said Leonardo DiCaprio is a is a guy who grows up poor, goes for a girl out of his class, and ends up dead as fuck. But enough about Titanic. But enough about Blood Diamond. But enough about The Departed. Let's talk about Greg Gatsby. It was like right. every movie he did is the same character. Mm-hmm. He's like some poor kid who made good, who kills himself because whatever, or gets killed. Gotta love um, a good archetypal theme. Yeah, man. He reads the script and goes, oh, I die at the end, but I'm a hero? Cool. Um, so we're talking about the Joker. because I he think, die in Aviator? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, does Howard Hughes, he dies. Yeah. He's not alive anymore. I mean, he sort of <laughs> dies. He becomes a reclu- recluse ping in jars and shit. A social death. So, a symbolic death. By the way, I've peed in a lot of jars in my life. I'm not going to lie. Really? Yeah, because sometimes when you're doing theater, <laughs> the, the bathroom isn't around. And sometimes I've, been, I've done plays where I'm on stage for an hour and 40 minutes straight. Oh, wow. Now, here's the problem. You have to be vocally warmed up. So you need to be hydrated mm. for that hour and a half, hour sure. and 40 minutes. So you drink a ton of fucking water. You're and then you go on stage. And sometimes you, you pee really... on stage. No, but I have. I used to drink like a jug, and I would a couple times I'd run off stage and like pee in the jug and then come back, and then I got in trouble for it. <laughs> I'm like I'm not schizophrenic. Um, oh wow! All right, so that's funny. We're talking about is it Joker <laughs> or the Joker? It's Joker. Just Joker. Just Joker. Um, because I guess we're just doing cultural zeitgeisty moments, and I would say this is a cultural zeitgeisty film for sure um before we get into the actual uh movie i think we should say this is going to be a spoiler movie review definitely and i also think for the sake of authenticity and so that we can also um have a little callback to the film buzzed i think we should smoke a little weed okay i think we should drink a little booze oh wow Right? Is that bad? I mean, let's do it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pause it right now. Ah. All right. I'm having a little uh, Tito's and alcoholic kombucha. Tommy's having a little bit of, uh, I think that's indica. Do you need a sativa? Oh, dear. Apparently, there's not a real difference between indica and sativa, and it's mostly just marketing. But, uh, and they both have similar effects. I'm going to have a little bit more of the weed. Okay. So, Joker. 
off the bat, spoilers everywhere. Sure. We're going to talk about the whole movie. As a matter of fact, the more we drink, <coughs> the more we smoke. We might even talk about other movies and other planets, <laughs> other alternate realities. Sure. Um, I will say out of the jump, I like the movie. Uh, I would say 7.5. Tommy, what would you say just if you were to give it a 1 to 10? I think 7.5 is a good rating. Interesting. I might go 8. Yeah, I thought you'd be an 8.5 type of guy. I wouldn't go more than 8, I don't think. Okay. So, I didn't think it was – it didn't change the world for me in any way. Yes. Uh, it was relatively derivative of other movies. These movies happen to be some of my favorite movies, which is why I liked it so much. But ultimately, uh, you know. Now, when you mean derivative of Eight other movies, good. what do you mean? Huh? By derivative of other movies, I mean that it was heavily inspired and it pulled some scenes and sequences directly from other films. Well, two of the main films, and not unironically that Robert De Niro is in this movie – were Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Yes. Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, and I would say Network a little bit. I don't know if you've seen that. Network. Yeah. I, was, I, just, I love that movie. And by the way, Network ties in something I also want to talk about regarding this film as well. Um, now, before I get too high, take that, that joint away from me. Okay. So, the first thing I want to say is there's been a lot of news and Yahoo news and Twitter news about the fact that there was worry this film was going to um, sort of create this movement of incels and mass shooters to kind of galvanize right. around it and become like it was going to be a rallying cry. Now, here's my theory, Tommy. I don't know how you feel about this. Hit me. I don't think that anyone at the inception of that idea really believed that. But what a great thing to propagate, to propagate in the media mm-hmm. and to put out on Twitter so that all the all the weird Twitter freaks just retweet it and like it and, and spread this bullshit rumor around. Yes. I don't think that there have been so many movies that like Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. didn't make people become serial killers. No. Natural Born Killers didn't make people Taxi Driver. Like none of these movies have created a, a swath of serial killers in America. There's been really no difference. If there are movies about killing cops, it doesn't like all of a sudden inculcate a culture of people killing cops. It's all it's it's a garbage mentality right. that for some reason a lot of the far left has embraced. Oh, video games will get people to kill people. Used no. to be the right. Used to be the right saying that same right, thing. Right, actually. I think it's a similar type of people on the right and the left that will believe it's kind of this sheepish yes. kind of Going with the flow mentality. Yes. The so, difference is when the right was like that, we're like, <laughs> these crazy right. Christian idiots. idiots. And now <laughs> the left is like, we're like, they're idiots, but we can't say they're idiots. Um, yeah, definitely get that joint away from you. So I think that that was somebody very smart in the marketing or publicity crew of Joker. Said, I mean, the amount of press that this movie got and the amount of money Before it came out. that it made because of this press. Yes. And it won best uh, film at uh, one of the big festivals. It wasn't did, Sundance, did but it was... Did you say like the Golden Bear? Something like that. You know, we should probably look this up. We have phones right here. Right, right, right. Okay. Let's just say it won... Well, yeah, I, I'll talk for a bit while you look up which one it won. Uh, what's interesting about that is so Todd Phillips is the director. Now, Todd Phillips is mostly mo- known for the Hangover films... He's not like an indie film guy. He did like Road Trip, The Hangover Films, Old School. He has the 
the infamous, famous, infamous line where he walks into the party, goes, hey, I'm here for the gangbang, which some female comic used an example of a Me Too movement, movement that happened in a green room. I don't want to get <laughs> into that. So um, <clears throat> he is not known for being the dark, edgy director. At one point, when I heard about the movie, I thought Todd Haynes. Now, Todd Haynes is an, an indie film director who did like safe and weird dark movies about pedophilia and shit. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. Um, so this is obviously outside of his wheelhouse. What, Venice, what, Venice Film Festival, The Golden Lion. The which Golden is Lion. The best, uh, and Venice is a very prestigious film festival. Roma, The Shape of Water. These are Oscar oh. movies that have won the same award. Yeah. So. Do you think that this is going to be an Oscar film? There's been a lot of talk about... First of all, I just want to say... Jaquin Phoenix performance, incredible. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just get this out of the way. Okay. Jaquin Phoenix? Jaquin. 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 I've never heard him as anything other than Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin. I don't know why he said Jaquin. <laughs> what do you think about Jao Gilberto, <laughs> the Brazilian <laughs> musician? I, I think. Jao? <laughs> uh, don't be one of those guys who <laughs> all of a sudden breaks into a Brazilian accent. <laughs> no, what is that? This is why. Who does that? <laughs> I've never seen that. This is why I think um, the, the weed's already working. Oh, for Here's sure. Here's why. Jaquin. Let me just say this. That is not a name I've ever heard. Jaquin. Um, here's why the movie, in my opinion, did so well and is still going to continue to do well. Like, I don't think it's going to be a 60% drop next weekend. <laughs> I think it's going to be, it's going to have legs, right? It's a good movie. It's a good movie. But here's why I think it is. Because something about Joaquin Phoenix. Jacqueline. Something about Jacqueline. Let's just call him Jacqueline from here on out. Let's see if we can start that on Twitter. Jacqueline. Joe Queen. Oh, my God. Joe Queen. Whoa, the Joe Queen. Oh, my God. Here's the thing about Joaquin Phoenix. Um, (laughs) His life is surrounded by and inundated with such crazy mystery. Yeah. More so, even more so than Keanu Reeves, who's sort of everyone's like, oh my God, the mystery of Keanu Reeves. The difference with Keanu Reeves and Joe Queen is that <laughs> Joe Queen's undeniable a brilliant actor. Incredible. Now, I, one of my favorites ever. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the greatest actors of this generation. Now, Keanu Reeves, you can't really make that argument. He's great. In a but different no way. one will make the argument that, like, I can't believe Keanu never got an Oscar. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's a mystery about him. Like he's cool. He used to be a joke, but now he's cool. A very, from what I've heard, kind, genuine person kind, who does good for the community. Genuine, rides a motorcycle. Yeah. Killing cool the game. guy. Good looking at age 53 or whatever it is. Yeah. So um, now here's the thing about Joaquin Phoenix. If you don't know much about Joaquin Phoenix's story, uh, there's a few things I think are worth sharing about him that if you don't know, it's worth knowing. First of all, um, he has been in and out of rehab. Mm-hmm. He's checked in for alcoholism in 2015. Partially associated with he's a method actor, mm-hmm. and he played roles like Johnny Cash, roles yes. of characters who are addicts, and yes. then he kind of goes down that road. Yes. Yeah. So that has sort of contributed to the mythology around him. Here's other things. In 2006, he was driving in the Hollywood Hills. I'll be able to speak, I promise. He veered off the road and flipped his car. Have you ever flipped your car? No. I have. It's mm. fucking terrifying. Yeah. Okay? And I was sober. Um, Just for funsies? It was caused by brake failure, which sounds really... Okay. 
Drunk someone driving. was tapping on his window and telling him to just relax. Phoenix replied, I'm fine. I am relaxed. The man replied, no, you're not. And then Phoenix tried to light a cigarette <laughs> while gasoline was like, he was like upside down in his car lighting a cigarette. Now, that Pretty is badass. the <laughs> most badass thing sure. I've ever heard. And the stupidest thing combined, because gasoline was leaking into the car. Funny cabinet. how often those two go hand in hand. Now, here's the best part. Here's uh-huh. the punchline of it. The person knocking on the window was Van Hussock, the famous German director. Really? Do you know, are you a fan of Van Hussock? He always sounds like he's constipated. I'm familiar. His best movie. He did that big was, old bear movie. He did a bear movie, Grizzly Man. He also did a, a movie about penguins. It's not March of the Penguins. Yeah. Some other thing about penguins, but his uh, happy big... feet, I believe it was. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, it was happy feet too. No, but the movie at one point, hey. he's in Antarctica looking at penguins, which I'm, I'm assuming that's the only place penguins live, right? So, and there are penguins that just are marching off into the the Arctic. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh my god, what happens if penguins go crazy? They can't stand it and they march into the ice just to die alone. This penguin is a thousand miles from anywhere. He's surely going to die. But do you stop the madness of a penguin? You're making me want to do a mockumentary of you as a crazy German director. Oh, my God. Google Werner Herzog penguins and then smoke some weed and then watch it 8,000 times. You're going to love okay. it. Okay. So, Werner, anyway, he, uh, he, met, he realized it was Herzog. Herzog helped Phoenix out of the wreckage by breaking the back window of the car. And is this just coincidence that they're in the same place at the same time? Yeah. Wow. Hey, baby. That's Hollywood for you, Tommy. Mm-hmm. That's why you're going to get your big break someday. Um, uh, Phoenix approached Herzog to express his gratitude, but Herzog downplayed his heroism and returned to his home. Anyway, then in 2008, Phoenix said, I'm retiring from acting. I remember this. And he's going to pursue a rapping career. Right. And then he said the film Two Lovers would be his last film. Now, this is 2008. That's a long, it's 10 fucking years ago. Right. Okay, he went on the late show with David Letterman, mm-hmm. which is an interesting corollary to what happens in this movie, El El Joker. El, El Joker, because David Letterman said it was like the worst interview of his entire life, and I think at one point David Letterman says, "Hey, next time maybe you can show up mm. on the interview." Did you see the interview? Uh, I don't remember it. Can we please put the audio from the interview at this moment right here? <laughs> okay. Well, I've been working on my music. Yeah, music. But, you know, I, when I saw you in, in Walk the Line, I said, this guy is tremendous. He's, he's singing, and it sounded great. So is that the kind of music you're interested in? No, no, I, I do um, more hip-hop music. Hip-hop music. Um, is this a joke? <laughs> what, do you, what do you have them on? I'm sorry? Sorry, what, what, you, what do you gas him up with? <laughs> Just nitrous kicking it on the, 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 the kid and the- he was as well. So that must have been fun working with Isabella Rossellini, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. I did, yeah. Do you have any, any fun stories to tell us? <laughs> I mean no, no fun stories? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's something fun happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, when, when will we see uh, the, the new music career, the new hip-hop uh, career? When, when will we see that take off? When can we... Because uh, we want to be there. 
Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to come on the show and perform. Yeah. When it's on. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm working on it, you know, it's, uh... You know, that seems unlikely. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a lovely film, really. <clears throat> and, uh, Joaquin, I'm sorry you couldn't be here tonight. Funny dude. We, uh, we owe an apology to Farrah Fawcett. <clears throat> um, the film is Two Lovers, uh, opens. Oh, we can do it. I'll buy you a fucking booze. Jesus Christ. I'll buy you a booze? What's a booze? Anyway. One booze, please. Uh <laughs> he was uncoherent and unresponsive toward Letterman's questions about his film career. Okay. Then he revealed his retirement was eccentric behavior for a mockumentary called I'm Still Here that he and Casey Affleck were filming. Now, him and Casey Affleck both got Me Too'd during... Jacqueline? Jacqueline got Me Too'd too. Really? He didn't get as Me Too'd as Casey Affleck. He got Me Too-ished. Me Too-ish. Like he was with the women in the room that came in and he was kind of like being Me Too-y. He was Me Too-y. Me he too-y. was me too'd. Like a like a Aziz Ansari me yeah. too-y. Aziz, I'm sorry. Um, then he, in 2012, he said the Academy Awards are bullshit. Anyway, the only reason I'm bringing this up is that he is... Um, I he respect is, anyone with an Academy Award that says the Academy Awards are bullshit. That, that yes. I can get behind. And he's a big social activist. He does weird things. He disappears. He's, I don't know if he is intentionally or unintentionally created this weird mythology around Did you hear, I heard that I read on the internet, Mm, rather. Congratulations, you read. (laughs) Second hand, but it was an article. Um, His parents were a part of a cult growing up, so he grew up in this kind of weird children of God cult. Wait, children of God cult? Children of uh, something. And that this has very much shaped his experience as a person and his role as a member of a cult in The Master, which was a great film. Yes. So I got it. Totally got it the first time I watched it. Totally understood you. it. Yep. Because it's about Scientology. Very intelligent. So watched it. Got it. Good for you, scene. Tommy. Mm-hmm. And no by the way, deal. congratulations, Tommy has a tweet out right now that's doing very well. Followed <laughs> Tommy Twitter. on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Tommy Wake FLD. Tommy Wake Field was taken. Oh, my God. Tommy, yeah. who is Tommy Wakefield? Some guy. Tell that motherfucker you'll look. I'll pay Tommy. He's a Wake- Christian photographer, from what I remember. Does he have a lot of followers? No. I'll pay that guy fifty bucks. I'll yeah. give him a hundred bucks to get your. Tw- you need your fucking Twitter handle, Brad. You're probably right. It's worth it, man. Trust me. I have literally hundreds of followers. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's here's another thing. Follow Bill Dawes. About Joaquin. Here's the thing the about. Oh, we're going to keep going down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theory okay. here, right? Good, good, good. Now, his Wikipedia entry begins his personal life at 2006, which is fascinating, be- or 2005, which is interesting because he grew up in a cult. Mm-hmm. That's not really talked about. Nope. I mean, his name is... Joy Queen. Joy Queen. That is actually the original uh, pronunciation in the cult. Okay. And then he has a sister, Summer. Right. There's a whole... Sumer. Huh? Sumer. Sumer. 
there's a whole tribe of these Phoenix kids that grew up called, I think they grew up in yurts or some shit like that. Right. I'm sure they were doing like baby yoga and whatever the fuck they were doing. Totally goat yoga. So here's more to the fact when River Phoenix died. Yeah. He died outside of a night. Did you know about River Phoenix? You're a young kid. I have read on an article secondhand. But you don't remember River Phoenix no, as an actor. I so do not. He was, at the time, he was considered one of the best actors. He would probably be Leonardo DiCaprio. He'd sure. probably be the biggest actor. He'd probably be like Zhao Queen Phoenix or something. He'd be bigger because he was better looking. You know what I mean? Ooh. He was like a really good looking. He was in Stand By I Me. I believe, though, that Stand By Me, great movie. Mm-hmm. I believe that uh, Zhao Queen's Phoenix. <laughs> His appearance being a little off has made him more iconic. Yes. He's kind of got the lip thing, and he's very unusual, and he's able to capture these kind of outcast characters much more authentically yes. because of that. Now, River Phoenix died at age 23. Mm. And look at that picture of the guy. I mean, he looked like Kurt Cobain. He was, he was beautiful. That, he was in Stand By Me. Do you remember Stand By Me? Mm-hmm. He was still chubby then. But Found then he said that body by the train tracks. My own private Idaho... Where he played a gay hustler, and apparently him and Keanu had a, a love affair. IRL in real life. IRL, wow. and I would be all for that. They did the movie, and apparently they did in real life. That's the rumor. Anyway, Rivers and Rivers. So he was at the Vipe Room in '93. He had a problem with with drugs. I guess his drug of choice was the big H bomb. Mm, the horse. Uh, he was in Nay-nay. a band. A lot of like really cool actors have bands. Okay. River Phoenix was in Johnny Depp, for example. Jason Schwartzman. (laughs) You're in a band? No. Come on, Tommy. You are, aren't you? I have a couple solo projects I'm working on. (laughs) (laughs) She's at the Viper Room, a nightclub owned partly by Johnny Depp. Anyway, he's... uh, JD. Joy Queen was with them. Cocaine was passed around. Everyone was high. And Joaquin went outside... um, and he was having convulsions. Uh, River Phoenix was having convulsions on the sidewalk. Oh, no. And he was found dead by Joaquin. Wow. So, so on top watched of him die. everything else, when Joaquin was a young kid, mm. he watched his brother die in front of him. And by the way, at this point, Joaquin was uh, either completely unknown. I don't even know if he had an acting career at all at this point. Right. And he found him unable to breathe. So uh, mm, That is... I guess he was still Super alive, dramatic. but anyway, so so here, this is all going into pre-Joker, right? Right. Because you're following in the footsteps of Heath Ledger, which is considered one of the most, it's the most iconic villain performance of all time. I mean, Heath Ledger wiped the floor with Jack Nicholson, which is next to impossible to sure. do. The only performance I would say that was uh, comparable would either be Jack Nicholson in The Shining or Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork Orange where people were like just genuinely, genuinely disturbed to the point where it was iconic, you know? Right. So that being said, Joaquin Phoenix is probably the only actor that can come into the project with enough mystery and intrigue about how fucked up is this guy right? that they'll watch it. And Jared Leto did an excellent job of just wiping the slate clean with a tragically off performance you know what i mean yes because like someone had to come after heath ledger and just be bad yeah you know? and and i don't know if jared leto because first of all jared leto is definitely he's a good actor he's a good actor 
and he's an interesting guy, and he can sing like a fucking motherfucker. Could have been the direction. Yeah. And he's really good looking. I mean, there's there's nothing to like about Jared Leto. He was thrust into this kind of bubblegum pop, horrible yeah. DC universe. Yeah. That totally the art direction and everything. Yeah, but his performance was bad, but it was, it was different. Like you said, it cleansed the palate. It was right. different enough that people and and Jared Leto was definitely trying to fill the crazy shoes of Heath Ledger by um, sending like dead animals to castmates. I don't know how much of this is apocryphal, how much right. of it's true, but apparently he would send them weird shit and act weird and piss everywhere and just do all sorts of crazy yeah, shit. That's so stupid. But apparently some of it's fake and some of it's true. Like Will Smith is like, fuck that guy. I would never invite him over for dinner. Um, but I think, again, they were trying to drum up. I think now... In now, a similar way that they did with this movie. Yes. I think now that Joker has is created this weird, iconic... Um, Sort of niche this movie in American. Get a sequel. <laughs> it should get. A se- it has to get a sequel. How could it not? Yeah. By the way, I did uh, not too long ago. I told everyone's like there should be a female Joker, and you know how I reached out to, and I was like, "There's only one woman who could be the female Joker." Who? I'll give you three guesses. Who I who I called and said, "You talk to your fucking people because you would be the fucking best female Joker ever." Is if a comedian? Yeah. One comedian. One comedian on the fucking planet. <laughs> Maria planet. Bamford. No. no um, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Female Haddish. Joker. Absolutely. First of all. I wouldn't have guessed that. But first of all, she'd probably she's be great. a foster kid. Yeah. True. She grew up really, really rough. She's gone through. She's had a really, really tough life. So her life is also like enshrouded yeah. in this cloak of mystery about like what she's been through. Totally. She has a Except definite. <laughs> she has a definite edge, and she can also top line a film. Right. And yeah. you have a black woman as a Joker. Like, hey, that'd be great. I want the credit when it happens. Okay. So back to. I mean, they're doing Batwoman, Supergirl. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm having a little bit more of this alcohol. Okay. Uh oh. Here we go. Mm-mm-mm. Strap on in, folks. Six percent. Alcohol in that kombucha. Bottoms up. That's what he did. Are you going to have some of this vodka too? No, no. Come on. Don't be a fucking. Oh, come on. Just have one sip. <laughs> Getting peer pressure okay, on air. You heard him. You heard him. <laughs> yeah. Mom? No. <laughs> okay. So this is all a precursor to talking about the actual film. <laughs> okay. But I think that now. We have the... a little background on Zhao Kin. Yeah. In the collective unconscious of America, the Joker needs to be someone who is mysterious and or kind of fucked up. Like you want him, you want the Joker to be someone who might kill themselves after the movie. <laughs> right. In a weird way. That sounds awful, but I really think that Heath Ledger just made that happen. Like Jared Leto had to be a little bit extra crazy. There is a genuine derangement behind the eyes of many of the Joker actors. Yeah. You know? For sure, Jack Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson apparently told Heath Ledger not to take the role because it would fuck up his life. Whew. Now, that might be, again, apocryphal. Who knows if that's true or not? But uh, that's apparently the word. So Hollywood, you know, anything after the fact is almost certainly bullshit. Yeah. So, and this leads us to the movie The Joker. Mm. Uh, uh, oh, you ever have one of those burps that it starts to come out? I've actually never burped. And then there's but... another channel that goes through. Oh, and it like, like you burped happen. through your nose, maybe? Like you burped in the wrong hole. I burped in the wrong hole? Does that make sense? I think that's called a fart, but... Okay. Anyway, gosh damn it. Now you made it awkward. Oop. So... Doing bits. (laughs) Okay. So... That was pretty good. The movie. You ever done a Joker monologue? 
a monologue as a Joker? After Heath Ledger, did you? Okay, let me just say this. Okay, let, I'm gonna put this for the record. I want this for the goddamn record, because I haven't had a lot of jokes stolen from me, uh-huh. and maybe this joke was too much, like out in the in the ethos. This happened. Yeah. But the night after, or like the night Dark Knight happened, or the night after I saw Opening Night, because I'm a nerd. I went to a comedy club. Mm-hmm. You weren't doing comedy at that point, Tommy. I was wasn't even alive. I was. <laughs> Don't when the Dark Knight no, came out, I'm joking. Jesus. Anyway, uh, I was I was at the old New York Times Square Laugh Factory, and I said, um, I talked about like, oh, you know, something about women, oh God, women being cock teases. I was like, my whole life, women cock I don't want. I was like, here's how you can get revenge. Yeah. Or maybe I just talk about how like uh, women are always self conscious about their periods, and I said. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't make them feel good about that, but you can also get revenge for all the times you've been cock teased. Go down a woman, really get in there. And right when they're about to come, just come up, go, why so serious? Okay. Okay. You mm-hmm. get the joke. Now, yes. when the why so serious with the big, the big posters, it they were killed, right? Yes. I'm telling you, that joke got hacked so hard after that. Now, do you think that that's just a joke that everyone would come up with, like the who's going to build the wall? Mr. Trump, the Mexicans joke, or do you think like I got hacked? Because I tell you what, two weeks later I was saw it like a fucking open mic, so duh, and I was like I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I think I think um, Twitter has led me to believe that anything pop culturey that is even remotely apparent is is that way. Yeah. I, was, anyway. I genuinely believe that you probably thought of it before most people, because. You have that comic brain. Yeah. But after enough time, you know. Yeah. Someone said at a cocktail party, then all of a sudden it's off the Anyway, so I had to lose that. By the way, I did. Here's a, another funny story. I did that joke a few years later. Oh, yeah? At the Hollywood Laugh Factory. Not to brag that I'm recycling jokes years later. Or maybe it was like <laughs> two years later. And there was a girl named Alice that I was had gone a couple of dates. She showed up. And I did my set. I didn't see her after the show. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Hmm. And then she was like, I was like, what's going on? She goes, why the hell would you do a bit about me in front of everybody? And I'm thinking, what bit did I do about you? She goes, the why is so serious bit. I'm like, I went down on you in your period? Yeah. Because I didn't think I did, but I guess I did. And that was how I found out. Okay. Wow. On to the movie, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Right. How many? How far are we in? <laughs> so no, th- this is how we're going to talk about. I think that the reason this movie holds up, and the only reason this movie holds up, is because it is impossible not to watch Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin is so good. If you had, and, and by the way, by good, he's just you can't not look at the guy. Yeah, he has these really dark, deep set eyes. You know, there's all sorts of hurt and pain that yeah. legitimately and authentically exists yeah. within his tortured soul. Mm-hmm. So right away, watching the film, you go, okay, I'm watching a disturbed human being who's had a really rough life. And whether it's connected to the character of the Joker or Joaquin, it doesn't really matter. Right. Because you're just looking at this guy and you're seeing that. Mm-hmm. I think if you put 95% of the actors on the planet in that role, this movie is a Fucking dud. Absolutely. So, which is why I probably get 7.5. In your mind, maybe in my mind. I think because of uh, Joaquin Phoenix, it, regardless of the film itself, he brings such an incredible quality and watchability to the film that I give the movie full credit for having him in it. You know? Yes, yes. 
And because it was Todd Phillips, who's a big comedy fan and a yeah. big, um, uh, you know, does comedy movies, there were a lot of stand up comics in this movie. Tons. I don't know if you caught him. Gary Goldman. Mm-hmm. Sam Morrill. Sam Morrill. And they say his name, so I'm sure he was loving that. He right. Does, and Sam Morrill does his great bit. It's okay. Here's another thing about the movie the movie That is, was a good joke. Gary Goldman clearly was just doing like a fill in, not real material. Yeah. But then Sam Morrill, like, that's a bit. You know yes. what I mean? Samarell's bit, and I've heard that bit before. Is basically when men want sex. Oh, oh, no, no, no. it's like it's uh, <laughs> so. I'm gonna fuck it up. It's but fine. it's basically men to sex. Women treat sex like they're looking for a car. Is it reliable? Is oh, it well, affordable? Break, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it safe? And then men treat sex like they're looking for a parking spot. Like, there's oh, there's a, a spot. There's a spot. There's a spot. Handicapped. I shouldn't, but. Is anyone looking? I hope no one sees this. That's what he said. Great yeah, bit. So he's a good bit. He didn't have any like screen time, but still, he's getting the residuals. Yeah. Uh, Greer Barnes, New York legend, is in it. That's a thick check. Brian Callen is in it for one second. I missed him. He's putting on white makeup, and he goes, what? Or something. He has like huh. literally like one or one word. Thick and they're kind of like, ha ha. But then meanwhile, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Cha-ching. Um, and I think there are other comics in it as well. Right. I don't know. Okay. So, on to the movie, and we're, there's going to be spoiler alerts. So, uh, Joaquin Imagine Phoenix... Imagine someone missed the previous three spoiler alerts, and this is where they're like, oh. To be, I mean, to be fair, we haven't really spoiled anything yet. We haven't spoiled anything. So, turn back now. Are we going to spoil anything in this movie? I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, big time. The, the thing that was really interesting about this movie, which was different than the other Joker movies... Uh-huh. Is, and this goes back to the early day, the comic books, and also the old Batman TV series with Adam West and the Kapow, Zing, Pooey with Batman and Robin. Was that the Joker was originally portrayed as a malevolent guy who just had glee over murdering and killing and causing Rayham. It was like, ha ha ha. Like Jack Nicholson, the way he portrayed sure. it, right? Mm-hmm. In this movie, the Joker is portrayed as someone who has a condition. Which apparently is a real condition mm-hmm. where they laugh uncontrollably when they're in an uncomfortable position. Right. Or when they're stressed out, they laugh uncontrollably. I, by the way, I think my mom has that condition. <laughs> my mom, like whenever she's mad, she will just start laughing fucking yeah. nonstop. A lot so of my I'm, high school buddies like that way. Oh, really? Well, no, not really. <laughs> no, because I think they're my mom just, really did. You just laugh in class when you're not supposed to, you know. So apparently there is a, uh, a video on YouTube of a guy who has this condition. And I don't know what the name of the condition is. I don't know if we should research it. It doesn't matter at all. But when he starts, he's uncomfortable, he starts laughing. It's actually not a good experience for him. He actually, It's a painful experience and it hurts his throat. That's kind of what was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. A lot so, of choking. In so apparently in. Joaquin Phoenix found this YouTube video and looked it up and studied this guy. And when he was holding his throat, I was like, oh, he's holding his throat because he's a smoker. Mm. I thought this is all about he has a smoker's cough and he is, he's in pain from smoking. But no, it's because he, this condition, this YouTube video apparently like four years ago had like 200 views and now it's got millions and millions because everyone's like researching and curious about this condition. A lot of smoking in the movie too. Yeah, because it was 19... What year? 19, oh, it was... 40s, it was, 50s? What? 40s, 50s? Maybe way Tommy, later than that. I'm sorry. Get the fuck out of here. What are 70, you talking about? 60s, 70s. No, it wasn't. I'll tell you when it later? was. I'm guessing... 80s. I'm guessing at <laughs> I just the latest... <laughs> I'm guessing at the latest... Yeah. Oh, I said it first. I get credit. I'm guessing at the latest this movie... I'll tell you when... I know exactly when it was. Because you know what? There's a movie called The Howling. And there's a poster for it on the movie theater. 
and it was a 1981 film. Yeah, just for the record, 40s is so incredibly off, and I am aware, just for all, <laughs> everyone listening at home, I am aware of how stupid that sounded. Mm. This is moment number two for me after Joaquin Phoenix. And what's, <laughs> what's cool about it being a movie set in the 80s is because it's a period piece, for sure. Yeah. But it's not so period that you have to really change the world that much. It's like the normal world, but just no cell phones. Exactly. Which is a beautiful thing. Exactly. Because you and can get away with crime pre-cell phones. Oh, this is me and Mars. Me and Mars. Do you have a cigarette? Yeah, I have cigarettes. Okay, I might need to smoke one because we've been we've been drinking. We're talking about the Joker, and if you want to talk <laughs> about the Joker, me and Mars, you have to get on a goddamn microphone and take it. Otherwise, you got to shut the fuck up. And I love you. All right, there's a lot of things I want to say about. It. So it's 1981. So Gotham City is what? It's New York, really, right? Yeah. Weren't most of the shots New York City? Very New York. Okay. The comedy club that they used was Dangerfields in the Upper East, Upper East Side of New mm-hmm. York. It's called which, Pogo's in the film. It's called Pogo's. It used to be Dangerfields was the club in New York. Now it's a fucking shithole. Right. But I can probably get you a spot there, Tommy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Anyway, I'll take it. Next time. Um, now that I'm legit. So <laughs> it's really like New York. And one of the things that always weirds me out about or kind of bums me out about films shot in quote-unquote New York, are you trying to get on a microphone? Did you see the film, Mia Mars? Then get the fuck out of here, girl. <laughs> Next time, lady. I love me. But, you know, if you didn't see the film, what the fuck are you going to say? see the film. Although, like although me and Mars, like you know, me and Mars was in a mental institution. So this film is about female mental, joker over here. Mental illness. Oh, she could be a great female joker. <laughs> By the way, Mia, I heard a joke about you from the roast battle. And I love you, but it was the funniest fucking joke I ever heard. Me and Mars... Looks like a raccoon that sucks dick, sucks dick for garbage. That's a good joke. You don't agree? No. I, I, he said you don't agree? <laughs> Me and Mars looks like a raccoon that sucks dick for garbage. Maybe because we have raccoons in our oh, yard. I've heard better. My favorite was Guam Felix once said Mia got kicked out of Best Buy because she tried to crawl out of all the TVs. That's better. That's, that's way better. better. To me. I to think me. Too. I'm sorry. That one really made me laugh. It's like the the raccoon that sucks dick for garbage. Just it's too. <laughs> it's not as clever. It's not as clever. It's just potty humor. I'm I mean, Mia, you right. I know, yeah. but you do look a little bit like a raccoon. No, I think, <laughs> I think uh, the the possessed uh, girl That's good. is better. It's better That's a good girl. point. Anyways, me, no one listening can see. Okay, or Mia, get the fuck out maybe of here. even knows you. Mia. <laughs> but they know Mia. Okay, yeah, you're right. Okay. Are we going to talk about this movie ever, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, no, Jesus no. Christ. No, let's. Okay, so uh, there was an article, and I, I think we should address this right out the top. Mm-hmm. There's an article in the oh, New York Times. There's a lot Times. of articles. Yeah. Lot, I mean, everyone. The Times is the big one. And this was, this article, I think, is maybe exhibit number 423 about why Trump will get reelected in 2024. I disagree, but yes. I know you think Andrew Wang's going to make some miraculous <laughs> comeback, but no. The math doesn't support it, Tommy. Anyway. Well, <laughs> we'll see. So the article says that this film, although there's initial worry about how it was going to get the incel community all riled up and lead to mass shootings. Although, like you said, Tommy, there are no mass shootings in this movie. No. This movie is not about a mass shooting. It's not even an incel movie. He's, I mean, it is. 
But the Joker historically is not a character who does not have sex. He's a fuck machine in all the comics. Oh, is he? Totally. Oh, he's banging what's her face? Harley banging Quinn? everybody. Really? In in the comics. Does he bang Batwoman in the comics? I don't I don't know. Yeah, so this is definitely like an alternate universe. He doesn't have sex in this movie, but it's not sex is not introduced as a thing that he desires and can't have. It's more a movie about mental illness, which yes. is why it confused me to no end why all of these articles are just hammering home the incel thing because they want that to be the headline. But this is this is why I go back to my conspiracy. I think that people involved in creating Joker put out. I think they use Russian bots or Ukrainian. Troll farms and got people to say that it was going to stir up incels just for the press, and it fucking worked. Do you think that's why it made ninety three million opening weekend? Yes, not exclusively, but I would say fifty percent of it. Was Do you think that people showed up to the movie going like, "Yo, man, there's gonna be a shooting. Let's go." I mean, it, it helps that historically the only famous. Uh, movie theater shooting is the Batman movie. Yes. It's from The Dark Knight, I believe. Yes. Um, so this feels like a logical repeat of that. But none of that fuss was made about Suicide Squad or any of these other superhero movies. So it True. does kind of feel planned. I've, I feel like those uproars come every once in a while during Clockwork Orange, like I said, Natural Born Killers. And it didn't really create any spikes, but people, I felt like they wanted to. It's funny because I did a play. I didn't do a play. What am I saying? I'm wishful thinking. There was a play in New York about, I don't know, it was, it was a very gay-oriented play. And this sure. was in the Love 90s the when um, when there was still talk about um, conversion therapy being valid, mm. when gay marriage was, was vehemently opposed by a lot of people, when e- even presidents weren't for gay marriage. So um, it was uh, – that was there was so recently. much protest yeah. in the 90s for this this little play. Yes. It became a smash hit. And Love it wasn't it. a good play. Hilarious. I the name of it. So anyway. I was honestly relieved that this movie was not terrible. I, I kind of too. went in thinking this could be really bad and just got way too much hype for no reason. Yes. Uh, and I came out thinking that was pretty good. It was a pretty decent movie. This got a whole bunch of negative hype for no reason. Uh-huh. Also, the positive hype. I mean, anyone saying like, oh, it's the best movie of the year. Fucking, it's pretty good. Me and Mars, we've talked about Chappelle's special. Jesus. Mia. Yes, yes. People getting pissed off does help. That's true. So here's another piece of Americana I want to throw out there. I don't know if you know this, but when Joaquin Phoenix would walk to work every day, he walked up those long steps. Big old steps. Do you know what those steps are? No. Those steps are in... Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Do you know what movie those steps were featured in famously? What? The Exorcist. Huh. Those were the Exorcist steps. Weird. I know that because I was a drunk college kid. I was like, let's climb up the Exorcist steps. Wow. And that's something people do. So for some reason, and by the way, you never need to walk up those steps. You only walk up those steps because you're like, hey, let's walk up the Exorcist steps. You don't need to walk there to get anywhere. Aren't those steps on the poster? The Exorcist Steps? I believe so. It's him dancing yes, on the yes, steps. Yes, yes, yes. So um, the idea that he had to walk up those steps to work. Xiao Queen Phoenix in The Exorcist Steps. Yeah. There's a lot of geography that doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. So they just filmed in location in D.C. for those steps. No one in the, in the planet walks those steps to work every day. But it's a weird, harrowing, depressing set of steps. Another thing that I always find weird when you shoot in 
quote unquote New York City, and this is true in the Batman and the uh, Spider Man movies too, is people are always running down alleys. Yeah, there are no fucking alleys in New York City. <laughs> there aren't. As a matter of fact, most of the major cities, all the alleys have been replaced with condos and co ops. That's funny. There's, yeah. I think there's literally one alley in New York City, mm-hmm. and maybe like a few in Brooklyn. Every square inch of available space is being used in New Absolutely. York City. Absolutely, the real estate. So of course, at one to- at one point, that's how you know it's a period piece. Yes, and I love the, the way that they want to establish sympathy for Joaquin Phoenix's character. Is he's just a clown? He's out there with a he's it's sign a simple flipping. working clown, working class clown, you and know? he's advertising for what? Like an automotive automotive place, or I don't know. Some um, no, no, no. He's holding a everything must go sign for some general store, maybe a furniture. Store. I don't know. And these kids running by, they take his sign. Yeah. And not, I mean, used very specifically. These kids were probably Puerto Rican or Latin descent, I, right? I know. No, but I mean, know. they're trying to like capture what people thought the hysteria was in New York City at the time. The dialogue in that sequence, very front of the movie, was my least favorite part. What was it? Yeah, that's take his sign. Yeah, <laughs> kick his ass. <laughs> Run away. Take the clown yeah, sign. We got to make idiot. a big score. Let's attack a. Cl- <laughs> let's rob a clown. Yeah. That guy must be loaded. Yeah. Run, run with the sign. Like they literally just narrated every sequence of that. So he yeah, chases. You, <laughs> he chases after the sign, and they take the sign. And they smash his face. That was like some like a kids movie level bullying at the mm. right up top. Yeah, they had a show. He Beat was him up. bullied. <laughs> Beat him up. So they smash him over the face, and then they they rob him. And then he goes back to work, and they're like, "Hey, man, we heard you smashed a sign for no reason. You owe us two hundred dollars for that sign. By the way, two hundred dollars for a sign. What type of, was it made of? It's a shitty plastic sign. <laughs> I was like, come on." Okay, but that's how that's how we stop. Also, also, this becomes a roast of the movie after we just spoke so highly about it. Actually, it was terrible. No, but like the idea that this owner of the sign would be so pissed. <laughs> and he's like, I got jumped. And they're like, really? You got jumped over a sign? Yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> what? You stole the sign. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, those the bruises on your face don't mean anything. You've been working here for a long time. You had no incidents. Clearly, you just stole this sign. Now, one of the interesting parts about the movie as well is that he has a neighbor, an African-American woman, a very mm-hmm. attractive Af- African-American woman who's, who's great in the film. She does have a lot to do, but she's great in it. And they have this sort of flirtation. And you can, you can kind of buy the flirtation a little bit because Joaquin Phoenix is a good-looking guy. Sure. Despite the fact that he has a cleft lip. Which mm-hmm. has always been an interesting thing about – no one ever talks about it. Because it's endearing. It's endearing. And he has, he has like, there's a certain look that people have where they're, they have a cleft lip and their nose kind of is shaped a certain way. Because, I don't know. It's a, a, a birth deformity. And it, it kind of adds to the weird mystery around him. Yeah. I saw a movie recently again called To Die For when he was like 18 years old, Joaquin Phoenix. And it was the same thing. You just couldn't not look at the guy. It's the type of thing where the first time you see him in a movie, you're like – He's weird looking. You're like, maybe he's not that good looking. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, this dude is good looking. You're like, I would change my orientation for this dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I felt a little kind of out of the gate, I, I wanted more of was just strength of character. Mm. Because he's very, for lack of a better word, he's very effete in the movie. Very passive. He's very passive. He's very effeminate. 
He has his legs crossed the way I did in Egypt a lot. And he he lost like 40 pounds, which I don't really know the point of him. There is a shirtless scene where he's got his arms stretched back. And yeah. I remember thinking he kind of looks almost like an alien. Well, he, he has a deformity. He has a shoulder deformity. That Jacqueline? If, Jacqueline has okay. a shoulder deformity on his left shoulder. Interesting. I think, I don't know if it was broken or it was a birth deformity, but his uh, shoulder blade and his clavicle kind of pop out in a weird way. And I've noticed in a bunch of other movies, and I don't know why people don't talk about it, but when he lost the weight, oh God, I'm going to smoke this. It's going to be so bad. Um, when he lost the weight, it is really, really pronounced. Right. The reason I wasn't crazy about that idea is because... If you extrapolate Joaquin's Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's character, okay, well, stone. <laughs> this is the bit. The bit now is to just ruin it every time. Okay, but we're spoiling. So, um, <laughs> if you extrapolate his character and his performance, his character arc to what will later be Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, years mm-hmm. later, um, there's a scene, one of the most famous, iconic scenes in uh, comic book movie history, which is. Heath Ledger's opening scene. Now, I'm sure you remember that. When I saw it in the movie theater, when Joaquin Phoenix walked, I mean, Joaquin, when um, Heath Phoenix, Heath, Heath, Phoenix, Heath Ledger walked out of that scene at the end of that, the whole audience erupted in cheers. Great. You fucking knew scene, by you the way. were watching a brilliant, before anyone he was nominated, everyone's like, this is fucking iconic. I love a movie that just slams its fucking dick on the table right up top. Yes. Like, strap on in, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. And the moment that I think was the most edifying moment of the scene, where you realize, not only is he crazy, but he actually has a physical strength and presence mm. and command was he puts a pen or pencil on the table. He stands upright. He goes, here's a magic trick. And the guy, a big guy comes around, like a security guy comes around and Heath Ledger takes his head and slams his eye through the pen and kills the guy mm-hmm. in a second. And I remember saying, whatever the origin story for the Joker is, he is a guy who is skilled in combat. Yes. Um, so, which leads to part of my problem with the movie. There's nothing about this incarnation of the Joker mm-hmm. that would indicate he could ever, ever physically harm someone without a gun. Even when he has a gun... He doesn't really know what the fuck he's doing with it, you know? Right. So in the moment where he stabs a guy with was scissors or something like that in the neck, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit, not like unbelievable, but I kind of wanted to know that Joaquin Phoenix was trained. Does that sound weird and reductionist for me to say that? I, th- I mean, I get where I th- you're coming from. I think I disagree. I feel like this movie was in its own universe yes like this movie is separate from the rest of the movies so it's a comic total books. reboot this is a reinterpretation of a kind of mentally ill loner guy and they kind of added the joker element now and of course this means that jared leto can never be the joker again right they're not i think gonna... they've got him lined up to be well now 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 jared leto is morpheus he's another like Marvel villain, so maybe there's a, maybe he, he he became Morpheus, and then the DC people were like, okay, fine, fuck it. Now, also, was this a DG, DC production? No, I think this was separate from all of the studio DC uh, Justice League. Yes, people. 
And there was also an idea that at one point in the movie, he was going to maybe kill himself right. during an interview. And the thought was, okay, this is such an alternate universe of the Joker. It's an alternate universe where the Joker commits suicide before he actually becomes the arch nemesis to Batman. Right. I never thought that he would kill himself, but it was heavily suggested that that was his intention. Yes. Okay, so back to the New York Times article, which we segued from. Okay, in this article that is written by a guy named Lawrence Ware for the New York Times. Big L. He says, and I don't know what his writing is. I don't know who he is. Lawrence Ware sounds like a guy who went to Deerfield Academy. He's probably a white dude. He's probably white privileged. He was consumed with white guilt, and he wrote the most (laughs) white guilty article I've ever read in my life. In the article, he says, the problem with this movie isn't about incels, isn't about encouraging mass shooters or incels. The problem with this movie is what it says about white supremacy. And what it says, it says this movie actually encourages the idea or the concept of white supremacy because in the movie, Joaquin Phoenix's character only has opposition from black Female. It was a very diverse casting. Yes. But I don't think in any way it was the intention of the filmmaker to be like, it's the joke of us black women. You know what I mean? That was <laughs> completely an absurd interpretation. So how did the New York Times publish this article? It struck me as... To me, they published it solely for the clicks and the controversy. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. It, it didn't ring true to me in any way. Because his first interaction with a female, uh, a black female, is she is the social worker who is looking after him. Right. Now, I don't know how it works with if you have a mental illness, you work with a social worker, but she seemed very invested in him. She wasn't opposing him. She was trying to help him. Later in the movie, it is implied that maybe she has been a bit emotionally disconnected and kind of going through the motions, but she... Seems more tired and overworked yes. and, than uh, antagonizing him in any way. Yes. And it's also connected to this idea that um, social services and help for mentally ill people is not being encouraged or supported by the government. Right. And they're going to cut back. They, they cut his meds and mm-hmm. they cut his social work. Yes. Uh, about a third into the movie, yes. which is the beginning of his downward spiral into insanity. Yes. Another thing interesting about this movie I found, he lives with his mom. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I did think in the Sixth Sense type of way that his mom was already dead, like the psych- like Psycho. That would have fit into the movie. That would have fit into the movie. I was like, his mom's already dead. He's talking to his mom. He has multiple thing. delusions mm-hmm. in the movie where we follow him on a storyline only to later reveal that none of the things that we saw actually happened and it was all in his head. Yes, and since we're doing spoilers... This uh, I heard a theory, just ooh, to say this real whoa. quick, that you know how at the end he's in a mental, mental institution? Yes. The whole movie was in his head. And they're like, they're asking him, he's, why are you laughing? And he says, oh, I just thought of a funny joke. And then she's like, what was the joke? And he's like, you wouldn't get it. So like the joke was the whole movie that has all been imagined in this insane person's head. But oh, that's, wow. that's too much for me. Yeah, that's just someone who's like, I'm going to be clever. It was all a dream that kind on, of ruins it Twitter, for me. So. That it was clever. But it, it was a fun indicator of fun. how anything that happens in the movie could later yes. be revealed to be false. So this 
and I remember this is going to sound. This might be a little controversial, but hey, I'm drunk, so I don't I don't take responsibility for my feelings and points of view. Oh boy, here we go. There was something interesting <laughs> in the fact that it was an African American woman and it wasn't a white woman, and I don't know what that means. This is 1980 in quote unquote Gotham, New York, where uh, a white man is with a single black mom. Right. And the idea that she would actually accept him into her life seems somehow in a weird way a little more logical than if it was a single white woman because the idea that like well the dad isn't around you know what i mean <laughs> okay i'm just telling you it's not like this stuff was done hey we should put a black woman for no reason right okay so there's something about like there's a, a woman in new york city the hardest place in the world to live in a day in the 80s when it was really really dangerous who's like i can have someone here who take care of me sure. and I do not the dad is not around in the equation mm -hmm. so um, that was just a thought because the whole time you, a lot of people are going like why the fuck is she with him why would any woman be with him right uh, and of course I up, thought it was just the magnetism of Zhao Quinn Phoenix that that's, we were that's all what sold it to me I was like alright yes <laughs> and now and back to the magnetism of Joaquin Phoenix and back to the idea that his his physical sort of presence commanding kind of left me a little bit because he, he can be a physically intimidating person if he wants to be. Did you see the movie I Wasn't Here or I Wasn't Really He's Here? He's a uh, hitman in that. Yeah, he just and he kills everyone with a hammer. Yeah. And I bought it. So if I believe that Joaquin Phoenix can walk around and kill a bunch of people with a hammer. If he's selling it, I'm buying it. Yeah, yeah. He, again, speaks to the fact that why did he feel like he needed to lose the weight? It didn't. It didn't. Because he's method, dude. I feel like hardcore actor dudes who get any amount of press, love doing that shit. Yes, they it's love true. They love it. Oh, and I also think people go, look, you could maybe get an Oscar nomination. But only if go, you lose I only mean, if you lose weight. There's something to that. If you lose weight in a movie or you gain a fucking <laughs> weight, like, that's the only, as a man, yeah. that's pretty much the only way you get nominated. You have to, something, you have to do something Jared weird. Jared Leto lost the weight. Jared in, Leto lost uh, the weight. The Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club. As did Matthew McConaughey. Christian Bale lost the weight. Christian Bale, and he's gained weight. So, <laughs> and and also I think Christian Bale. The first movie that really broke him out was uh, the Machinist. Yeah. Where he ex machina. He was great as the robot in that. Tommy, come on, don't I'm fuck high. with my head. Doing bits. <laughs> Doing the bits. Machinist, which yeah. is probably before your time, but he, mm -hmm. I think he got down to like one fifteen. And yeah. he looked like a Holocaust victim. And again, it didn't really make the movie work any better, but you, it was impossible not to look at this guy. Yeah. Um, and also go like, wow, he really fucking committed. And then oh, wow. the pianist, the same thing. Okay, anyway, so he loses weight. <laughs> <laughs> and he has an affair with this African-American neighbor that you end up finding out is a total sixth sense moment. It's total delusion. Where she exists – but she's just a neighbor who doesn't really know him and just knows his name as Arthur. Right. And he goes into her, her apartment one night and she goes, oh my God, you're my neighbor, Arthur. What are you doing here? And you go, oh, I get it. What's Which leads to another sort of theory about the movie, which is that he killed the woman. I, don't, I did not get that impression when I was watching her. her child. Now, but the New York Times to fit his narrative, he made that implication. Who did? The... Guy who wrote the New York Times article. Yeah, the New York Times, Lawrence Ware or Ware, whatever the fuck his name is. Which could he be nice says, He says <laughs> they don't show – by the way, they show him kill everybody in the movie. Yes. But he says they don't show him kill 
the African-American woman and her African-American child. Because they're black. Because they're black. Which is and absurd. He, they wanted to, and Todd Phillips, for some reason, like, wanted to tell the world, well, black people don't have value, so I'm not right. going to show their murder, <laughs> which I think is absurd. There's nothing to indicate that he killed her. No. There's literally no um, overt racial themes. It's yes. The whole movie is thematically centered around class warfare. Yes. Like it is intentionally taking that direction and yes. how the working class are rising up against, uh, you know, the bourgeoisie. Yes. Who is represented by Bruce Wayne's father. Now, I do find that what's interesting is the. So, Joaquin Phoenix, he kills three douchebags on a subway train. Again, yeah. there's all these physical realities that exist in movies that always, I'm always like, eh, come on, man. That's not. I they walk in, they have, we have our, hey, leave her alone moment yes. as they harass a woman reading a magazine. Yes. Then his condition kicks in. He starts going, ah, 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 ah. like, what you laughing at, clown? Yes. Something funny? Now, <laughs> I went to college yeah. at Princeton University, cum laude, but who's talking? Did you uh, really? Yes. Huh. And so I went to school with a lot of white douches. Oh, yeah? White douchebaggery is a thing. I oh, was for sure. I was the white trash quota at that college. Yeah. But um You got to hang with let them. Let me to say make this about white, white douchebags. White douchebags who are rich and work on Wall Street aren't on a subway at three AM in the morning wearing suits and harassing guys for laughing. I mean, it's just not no. a fucking thing. No. But you gotta make the villain white. I mean, come on, right? Well, I mean that fits into the, the narrative. I mean, they were the villain. I yes. just think how they were introduced as uh, killers. Yes. Or like menaces was a little bit forced. Yes. And now this ties into the political objective of this movie. Now, Joaquin Phoenix, as you may or may not know, is a huge Bernie Sanders supporter. Hell yeah. So he's looking at the political message of this movie he's about thinking. that sort of caters to the idea of socialism. I love Dude, I love an uprising. An, uh, uprising an uprising of the working class. I'm about it. What do you mean? Like, what other movies are like that? As uh, I drink this vodka. I mean, a fucking ton of movies. V for Vendetta, mm -hmm. great example. Mm -hmm. um, basically, just reversing that, like Fight Club, just uh, taking the power back from the system and subverting uh, everything that you were taught. The fucking Matrix, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know. iRobot. iRobot. Well, no. Kind of. A robot is like if the system is uh, represented by the AI, then yeah. And we spoke about this on a previous podcast. The level of isms, the hierarchy of isms, right? Uh huh. Racism at the top. Sure. Then sexism. Uh huh. Then gayism. Gayism. Yeah. And then at the very homophobia. Th th then classism and then ageism, right? Right. So classism used to be a big issue in movies. It should be. Yeah, and no, it's now it's no longer as much of a thing in American film because they're like, hey, sexism and racism are killing the game. Let's not deal with classism I as much. I think it is, and this is maybe where I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, I believe that that is not by accident, you know? I believe oh. that the powers that be, the studio systems and uh, the government are controlling intentionally 
the message to distract from the fact that most working people in America today are getting screwed over. Interesting. Yeah, no. They're they're pushing it towards sexism and racism as like a dividing conquer strategy yes. so that people stay focused on the wrong issues and yes. don't unite. So Hollywood is all about how racism and sexism are bad, but classism, they're like, hey, we want right. to keep our Because if working class white people and working class other races and women all kind of figured out that we were getting screwed by a very small amount of people, technically, in theory, in a democracy, you could rise up and change yes. the system. But yeah. Now, going back to the idea of classism, if you notice <laughs> that the people who are uprising in the film – I would say, and if we're also looking at the demographic of New York City in the 80s or the demographic of Gotham City, they're mostly white. Yeah. And that was fair. That seemed intentional, which could speak to the New York Times writer's idea that was the sound of a cat that, um, that this film represented some brand of white supremacy, that the uprising is a bunch of disenfranchised white people. Right. I get that. Yeah. And they're wearing the white masks, which, you know, I don't know what that means. By the way, a friend of mine did a face app, a face swap. Okay. On Instagram with Trevor Noah. Okay. He's and trying, he to, be, wrote, he's he trying said, to be a little edgy with that. Am I doing blackface? And people are like, kind of. Is he, though? Is kinda? face swapping blackface now? Kind of. <laughs> Interesting. I think the fact that he posted it with the question gives you the answer. But him and Trevor Noah are, are, are boys. They're, they're homies, and hmm. they did it as fun. And then I don't think they realized when they did it the, the implication right. of blackface. I believe that. But then the posting of it, I think, it's intentionally provocative. I think it raises sure. a, a question of like— What is exactly blackface? And like at what point— are we saying are we getting offended just for the sake of getting offended? I'm clearly not hurting anyone with this. He is my friend, but well, we are getting offended at the sake. It's a fu- it's fun to get offended. Well, we've drawn a line in the sand around that. I think rightfully so, considering the history. But at this point, I think the interesting question raised by that post is like, there's no context. This is just a rule now. Yes, and we're going to react one way regardless of any of the surrounding. Context. Yes. Anyways. Okay. So another thing. Talk, 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 talk. Another thing <laughs> about this movie that's really interesting. I don't know if you know this. After he kills the three douchebags. The three douchebags. The, the white dude who are looking quick, for a fight. Quick detail on the three Wall, douchebags. Wall Street, yeah. He kills the first two out of self-defense. You yes, could argue the, totally justified. Yes. He's getting the shit beaten out of him. He's fearing for his life. But the third guy, he hunts down and executes. And shoots him in the back. Right. Which is also interesting because, again... You're in New York City on a subway. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the platform. Right. I haven't been on an empty New York subway platform in my entire life. Doesn't matter what time of night. It does. He's chasing them and shooting guns, not with a silencer. And there's nobody around. And yeah. after, anyway, so that's that's another yeah. here. There's there. some guy peeing. There's some guy carrying a fucking plant. Right. <laughs> there's two drunk teenagers. This is three in the morning. We're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. So. uh one other thing that I kind of wanted to see and I missed, and maybe this is just me being, I don't know, being nitpicky, but when he kills the douchebags, he goes into the bathroom, right? Yes. Originally, it was supposed to be something else. He was supposed to uh, remove his makeup, change his clothes, get rid of all the evidence, and then look in the mirror with that Joaquin Phoenix face. Right. And that will tell the story. And that would still tell the story. Mm-hmm. Instead, 
Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix were in the bathroom alone, and he said, okay, you just killed these people, go. And Joaquin Phoenix broke out into this dance. Which I think, in terms of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. great choice. Great choice. Joaquin Phoenix, go. I would watch that movie. Joaquin Phoenix, go. And he starts this weird, like, Tai Chi (laughs) kind of dance. Interesting. I mean, kind of erotic. And also with his face and the makeup, you kind of can't not look at the guy. But at the same time, I'm kind of going, did he want to be a dancer? Should we've gotten a little bit of history of the fact that Joaquin Phoenix wanted to be a dancer, mom, and it never happened? Hmm. Like, I just felt like he's a performer. He dances a lot in the movie, he dances throughout the movie. Why don't we just set up the idea like he wanted to be a dancer? His mom was like, that's gay. She beat <laughs> she beat it out oh of him. God. No. And then it becomes a thing. He is so, abused in his childhood in the movie. That is. Oh, yeah. Implied. What is what is the nature of the abuse in the movie? Here's the tricky thing about the movie. It leaves it a bit ambiguous and open-ended, which I think is good for a character like the Joker. But he sure. goes to the mental institution to get the papers on his mom because mm-hmm. his mom was held there for some time. Mm-hmm. And it is said that he was adopted by this woman who uh, he thought was his mom and then that he was abused and that she was put into the hospital because she was abusing the child. Then there is this scene of his mom claiming that this was all a fabrication of Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father, who said that because they actually did have an affair and he actually is the uh, stepson. And here's another thing which I think is not unintentional. There still exists the possibility that the Joker is a half-brother of Bruce Wayne. Fun idea. And it's was fun idea. the father was – what's Bruce Wayne's father's – Tom Wayne? Thomas Wayne. Thomas I Wayne. I remembered because it's my name. And the reason why that has some legitimacy is if Thomas Wayne is a really powerful man, not – and look, they made him similar-ish to a Trump Right. They gave him a very Trumpian vibe. A Bill de Blasio vibe, if you will. A Bill de Blasio. But he has the <laughs> hair slicked back like a douche. like yeah. like, And he, he defends the very Wall Long Street guys. Island, you know? who are, and he says, hey, if you're poor, there's a reason why you're yeah. poor, basically. He's peeing. Zhao, Zhao Queen approaches him. He basically says, hey, might as well take a picture to last longer, you know? Yeah, Shake yeah. Shake and stick around. And then Joaquin Phoenix is like, Dad, I just want to meet you. He goes, stay away from my son. And he punches him in the face. Yeah. Which, again, like... Would, Very Long Island. <laughs> if, you were a, if you were a billionaire, <laughs> would you punch some guy in the bathroom in the face? I think you would. Really? Billionaires do whatever the fuck they want. As we've learned in the past five years. All billionaires are criminals. That's, Bernie 2020. By the way, I completely agree with right? that. Right? I mean, I'm joking, <laughs> but also, oh, definitely. So, so... uh Thomas Wayne is he's I think because he's a tall I forget the actor's name but he's a tall good-looking kind of stern guy he's a big old bloke and he doesn't have this this sort of magnanimous billionaire vibe that previous incarnations of Thomas Wayne have had and the scene where he which I thought was a really cool twist mm-hmm. and again changes the the universe is that when he kills Thomas Wayne when Thomas Wayne's killed rather it's not by the Joker no so the whole mythology of the Joker killing Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. they're saying, actually, this isn't what happened. One of his followers killed him, and right. he didn't say, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Like, by the <laughs> way, not a bad Jack Nicholson. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? He just says, you get what you deserve. 
and he shoots him. Yeah. And the moment that they showed Thomas Wayne having integrity and being somewhat of a, a heroic figure is he steps in the way of his wife before right. he gets killed. Who still gets killed, too? Um, <laughs> but I thought that was very interesting because at that time you see Joaquin Phoenix sort of unconscious in the car. You're like, oh, this poor guy's got framed. Now, when um, when the uh, he comes to and he's surrounded by all these uh, clowns, <laughs> um, literal clowns, he gets on top of the car and you're waiting for the moment of him to kind of galvanize the troops and rally the troops and say, hey, guys, we're going to start this insurrection. He goes back to his bathroom dance. He just does the dance again. And everyone's just like, everyone's like, yeah, everyone's man. loving it. That da- yeah, fucking dance. dance, buddy. Um, also, on the late night show, when he comes out of the curtain, he hits a fucking move. Yeah. He busts a move. Which goes back to my point. He should have been a trained dancer <laughs> who got the dance beat out of him. Oh, man. And here's an, I don't know if he played. I know there's the incel thing and there's a the thing with the, the neighbor. Incels just want to dance, man. But I think that he played him. I don't know if he played him asexual or maybe homosexual, but he is very. All of his gestures are very, very effete. And it's 2019. Everyone is pansexual. That's true. So I, th- I think when he gets into the talk show. And he interviews with Murray, which, of course, Robert De Niro's played with white veneers, which is very fascinating to watch. His, like, mm. super white teeth. Um, and also Them Joe Biden's. a throwback, throwback to uh, <laughs> King of Comedy. Um, he, um, I, I kind of wanted him to sort of all of a sudden, like, find the strength and the presence of mind that Joaquin Phoenix can have in other movies. I wanted him, like, man spread on the chair. And just start talking like a commanding person. Like, I found out who I am. But he crossed his legs. and He's He crossed his legs and his hands were kind of like flapping around. And I just wanted him to have a little bit more um, strength of character. Right. And my one complaint was I just wanted to see. He's a little sassy, isn't he? A little sassy. <laughs> I wanted to see the point. At one point, I was like, bitches. I thought he was going to say bitches. But I wanted him to like... Um, I wanted him to be the guy who could slam someone's head onto a pen and kill him. Right. And I never saw that. Uh, so he wasn't supposed to be necessarily scary in this movie. He was more supposed to be relatable and downtrodden. Yeah, exactly. And he which, kind of rises up and takes the power back. But, but did, even while he's doing it, he's still relatively meek. Yeah. Yeah, no? And I think in the original comic, The Killing Joke which is sort of the um, the seminal Joker story. Have you ever read The Killing Joke? I have Com- not. I've read comic books, Tommy, not to brag. Um, he is a meek guy yeah. who is married, trying to provide for his, his wife. His wife gets killed, and he just changes into an evil person. Now, you never see Walk Phoenix change into an evil person. He was He's always very reactive to, to the, the shit that's going around him. You never see him going like, fuck it, I'm going to be... And, like he doesn't. For me, that moment was the killing of the other clown guy in his apartment with yes. the with the scissors. But keep in mind, the clown guy came into his apartment. Glenn Fleshler, NYU alum graduate. Shout out to Glenn Fleshler. <laughs> um, he a uh, great actor, also in Barry. He um he comes to his apartment, so he doesn't like right. hunt him down and go. I'm going to kill him because I have a plan. Right, but there was really no reason to kill him. He wasn't posing any threat to him. You don't think so? You don't think that he knew about the murders and was maybe going to like out him? Um. Yeah, but the way that he grabbed the scissors 
he was going to kill him. Yeah, that's true. And I think that the other guy, if it was like a defensive the little killing, person. I he love could how you say the him. other guy. It's a little person. Okay. And it's one of the funniest moments in the scene where he tries to leave the door because he's scared for his life and he can't reach the deadbolt lock. It's a beautiful manipulation of the tension, you know? Yes. And then you're like, oh, is it going to kill him this time? Yeah. Because you really don't know. You don't know. It's also this weird way of like, okay, we're going to make fun of little people a little bit right here. Right. I'm still Todd Phillips. I'm still Todd Phillips. I did make the hangover. <laughs> um, so then the insurrection happens. We're left with him... I guess he gets caught, so he doesn't like getting folded into this criminal underground where he's now safe and protected. No, but he acts apparently. We never see it, but he gets caught and put in a mental institution, an Arkham Arkham Asylum. Right. Um, and I forgot how that scene went. Really, I you know I gotta say I thought the movie was gonna end with him on the car. Yeah, me too. With the dance, I was like, that's that. Yeah. And then I thought it was going to end with him singing. I thought that hallway shot at the end. What are you doing? Yeah, he's oh 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 dragging it on. End the movie. And here's It's over. Oh wait, and at the end yeah, when the he, he he Oh wait, he he walks out of the room and his footprints are bloody. Yeah. Which leads you to believe that he killed the person talking to him in the room. But what I didn't understand the point of that shot. We get he's just still in the hospital. Yeah. But now he's in the hospital and he killed someone while he was in the hospital. Yeah, but he's already the Joker. And then they have a weird Benny Hill moment where he's running down the hall and you see a guy chase him. Yeah. What is the Benny Hill theme song? Not that. Not whatever. Okay. All right. Not that. So that's we basically covered the length of the movie. Now, we both gave it 7.5. What is the reason? I gave it an 8. Okay. Okay. Fine. Jesus, you just upgrade it. So why not? <laughs> why not a nine, Tommy? Um. I mean, it wasn't a perfect movie. It didn't really break new ground. Uh, it was kind of. I don't know. One. I'm not gonna say one note, but it didn't. It wasn't profound to me. Yes. Uh. It, it was good. And the path that it walked had been walked before, but it walked it well. Yes. And it danced on the way, you know? Exactly. Well well said, Tommy. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that they <laughs> abandoned through the movie, the idea of this condition, and we, if we were really vetting our, uh, our podcast, we would look up the condition and maybe play that YouTube audio if we wanted to. You right. want some extra work, Tommy? Um, <laughs> but that idea that when he's nervous, he starts laughing goes away. Right. About halfway through the movie, it becomes much more of a manipulation. At one point, he's like, he knocks over the time clock in the clown place, and then he goes, ha, 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 and then he stops suddenly. So you're like, oh, he actually has control of it. He and does then, seem to gain control of the condition as his madness overcomes him. Yes. Yeah, no? So I guess that's maybe one of the and things. And he's also kind of gaining control of his life as he spirals out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. there's a headline for you, New York Times. Oh, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> and do you think that they intentionally made him a stand-up comic just because the idea that just, comics are <laughs> fucked up? I mean, and he's not like, hey, you want to play some mental ill? He's got to be a stand-up. Let me just say, I've bombed way worse than he bombed in that movie. Okay, <laughs> I was like, this is light work. Yeah, he's got real people. Well, in they the also audience. trick you into thinking because of a delusion. At some point, he's getting laughs. Yeah, and because he's, he's with the girl after the set. Yeah, but in so reality, think, oh, she's not there. I guess he was able to dig himself out of that hole 
and start killing. I've been there before, buddy. Good for you. <laughs> but he obviously never dug himself up. Now, the fact that um, Murray used clips from his stand-up to, <laughs> to put on his late-night talk show to mock him is pretty fucking bizarre. Like that Pretty far-fetched. Very far. First of all, who's filming this open micer pre-cell phones yeah. in close-up? Nobody. The shot of him is in close-up. Yeah, that rang very so untrue some guy to me. has like a, a, a Sony camera and is 10 feet away filming this guy as he bombs He's an fucking, open mic. <laughs> some guy is cranking a film camera. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a little bit like, okay, we're, we're but, definitely... But uh, it's a comic book movie, whatever. It's a comic like, book movie. All right. But I don't like the idea that, like, well, it's a, it could, like, that's, oh, it's a Fast and the Furious movie. Physics don't matter. It didn't feel Gravity that isn't a thing. out of touch with the world, but, uh... Yeah. But then it made me think about Louis C.K.'s uh, leaked audio and how that fucked him up a little bit. And also right. about a shooter. Louis C.K. should play the Joker. Oh, my God. That'd be a ginger Joker. It'd be Dude, called Ginger I would Joker. Watch that. Yeah. It's an episode of Louie, but he's the Joker. But what no one likes to talk about is the fact that, let's be honest, Louis C.K. has always been a bum actor. I like he's him. He's a terrible I actor, like man. He, uh, he's good as himself. He's okay. <laughs> he's not a good actor. Fuck that. I mean, he, just because he did, he's a great comic doesn't mean he's a good actor. He was just kind of whatever. He was just kind of there. I think he's an interesting enough personality to yes. have a show. Yes, I get that. Yeah. But when he's but he when he's in movies, Woody Allen's pretty good. Oh yeah, well as one hundred percent as Woody Allen for sure. Yeah. Wow, Woody thinking. Allen is the Joker. Ooh, I'd watch that. <laughs> as like an old Joker. <laughs> That's hilarious. But it's like kind of quirky too. Oh, like speak, the most Jewish Joker. Speaking of old Joker, <laughs> so Joaquin Phoenix has got to be about fifty now, right? Yeah, maybe so, sixty. I don't know. No, 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 no. That's no. um, that's Simon Cowell. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a stone thought I've ever heard one. So if he is like fifty years old now, and Bruce Wayne is ten during this movie, right? So when, I think he was playing like thirty in the movie. He's playing thirty. He doesn't look thirty. Come on, he I'll doesn't look thirty. I'll but give I think you. He's I'll give you forty-five minimum. And Bruce. So there's a thirty-five-year difference between the Joker and Bruce Wayne. In other words. When Batman comes into himself at age, let's say thirty, right? He's he's like sixty five. Too old. Too, Too old. old to be battling it out on the streets of Gotham, <laughs> but it is what it is, you know. Yeah. So I remember thinking that was a little bit of a fetch. Anyway, so um, I don't know, Tom. Anything else you want to talk about this movie? I, I guess I recommend that people see it for sure. It's a fun flick. It's a fun flick. I wonder what the backlash is going to be moving forward. With this movie. I think the backlash is what's propagating this movie. The the funniest part to me is the all of the hype, the negative hype, is about how dangerous this movie is. What a dangerous film. Oh, don't let people see it. It's going to turn them into killers. Yeah. What? Oh, my God. And that's what that dipshit at the New York Times said. He goes, it is dangerous, but not because of incels or school. It's dangerous because of what it says about white supremacy. The idea that... In dude, the trailers at the beginning of this movie are more violent and dangerous than this movie itself. Yes. This is a movie about how if we don't give help to mentally insane people, yeah, they will do crimes. And it is also a movie about how if the rich do not give help to the working class, there will yes. be an uprising. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. If there's not a universal basic income, 
espoused by Andrew, Andrew Yang, Yang. Uh-huh. there is going to be an uprising of people wearing weird Toys R Us Listen, man, masks. You do know that the highest earners are paying less taxes, a lower tax rate under these new things than someone making $15 an hour. Really? Not less taxes, but a lower tax rate. Like, let's say we're paying 15%. They're paying like 13% for the first time in decades. You know what's weird about that, too? Is remember when trickle-down economics was being espoused as a thing that helps the world? And, hey, trickle-down. And then it became thoroughly debunked. Thoroughly. Like, in the 90s, everyone's like, trickle-down has so clearly... Jerking off. Yes. And now, trickle-down economics, people are like, yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Who are these people? They did the 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 pyramid of fucking cups, and they pour it on the top, and it all trickles down. Or as 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 John Stewart says, trickle in economics is you take a rich person, you turn him upside down, you shake his pockets, and change (laughs) falls out. (laughs) That just goes to show the power of a strong visual metaphor. Yes, as people saw the the pyramid, they're like, oh, well, I get triangles. Oh, like a triangle. Yeah. And the problem with America, too, in general, is because of the idea of the get-rich scheme and the American dream, a lot of these people who live in trailer parks in West Virginia go, hey, man, if I win this lottery, I don't want the government if I get oil in my backyard, or if I move to L.A. and I become a movie star, yeah. if Harvey Weinstein puts me as a movie mama, yeah. I'm going to make it. I'm three dicks away from being a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> what was that bit by Patton Oswald where he said, like, it's like those those uh it's like a woman who works at the Tilt a Whirl at a state fair who's like, I just met AC Slater. He's gonna bring me to Hollywood, mama, and make me a big star. Literally a star is born. <laughs> that <laughs> fucking movie was ridiculous. Oh yeah. If if the star is born is in your top ten movie of all time, you're a fucking idiot. Let me just say I liked it. Watched it I liked a, it too. Wa- had a good time. Watched it on a plane. Fun fantasy. Yes. But, you know. Hey, it's one of those movies you folks. watch like, oh, cool movie. <laughs> and then like an hour later, you're like, wait, what the fuck was You're that? Like, Man, that was a that made zero sense. But. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we just trashed. We didn't really trash the Joker. I think it's interesting because it is. I think we both liked it. We liked we it. Defended it, but acknowledged it's not perfect. Yeah. And if people tell me that it's the best superhero movie ever made. I'm going to say no. Oh, not even close. But that being said, The Dark Knight had issues. Sure. I think Dark Knight is considered the best. But you know what the biggest yeah. issue of Dark Knight, which I haven't heard a lot of people talk about? What? So Heath Ledger chases over, chaser after Batman. And there's like explosions. He almost kills Batman a million times. His long chasing through Chicago, right? Right. And then it all ends up a ploy to trick Batman to choose between defusing the bombs or saving his girlfriend. Right. And I'm like, motherfucker, when were you setting this shit up? And also he had all those people in the building. And I'm just like, dude. That's how smart he is, dude. That's how smart he is. Which, again, if you go with the idea of the <laughs> Joker. like some seven shit. You know what I mean? If you go with the idea of the Joker as being at least some manifestation of the same Joker that Heath Ledger was, you don't see any of the same criminal genius in Joaquin Phoenix at all. No. That's that's true. Which I, is why the Joker is not supposed to have an origin story. Uh, He's supposed to be this criminal enigma god-like representation of insanity and evil. Mm. That's the, he's never had an origin story in all of uh, the history. Except and for the killing that joke. That was right, right. So like some details, but even still, not 
real specific details. Yeah. And that's why some people had an issue with this movie being made. But I, I see it as a separate universe, and it was a, it was a fun flick. Yeah. Anyways. And, of course, all the comic books now are like, oh, there's a multiverse. Now the Spider-Man multiverse is like, hey, everything's in the multiverse, which is like a great way, great excuse to make reboots and make Love it. tons of money. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think that's our review. <laughs> By the way, go watch uh, that Spider-Man multiverse movie. That might be the best superhero movie ever made. That I was, think it was. That it's was fun. interesting that they didn't do it as a live-action film because it could have. Like, maybe it's just too complicated. With So the, fun. Such a fun movie. Great animation. And also very like innocent yeah. and sweet. It's like a kid's film, but right. com- complex. And I took my friend to see it, and he was like, uh, really? Yeah. Because like, he kind of had the vibe of being a kid's flick. Yes. There were kids in there with us. We loved it. Yeah. We were stoned out of our minds, but we fucking had <laughs> a blast. No, it's a great movie. So our review of, of Joker is watch Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. Right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a secret. <laughs> If there's a sequel to this, if Joaquin Phoenix stays alive after getting down to 110 pounds or Let's whatever the fuck so. it was. He has, he has more to do. Uh, but definitely one of the best actors ever. Um, so that's it, man. I'm a little bit, you know, whatever. Yeah. Intoxicated at this point. But mm-hmm. Has it been like 10 hours? No, it's been good. All right, guys. Okay. Thanks for tuning in <laughs> to The After Laugh. Bye-bye. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode of The After Laugh. If you liked it, make sure you give it five stars on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and please spread the word. Thank you so much for supporting and check out our other podcasts on the Laugh Factory Network, Fanatics with Sean Joshi. It's the After Laugh, After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh, After Laugh, After Laugh. (laughs) After Laugh, man. (laughs) Go ahead, pull up a chair.